Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Today we are going to be in the Gospel of Marcos, Capítulo 1, Mark chapter 1. If you would turn in your Bibles there, if you have a Bible, if you have an iPhone, if you have a plasma TV, whatever you have, Mark chapter 1, por favor. Lord, we offer this time to you as a sacrifice. We've joined together today, Lord, not just because it's Sunday. We need to hear your voice. Necesitamos ayuda, Señor. We need help. We need to be reminded. Se nos olvida las cosas, Señor. We forget some things. And so today, Lord, through your word, would you remind us of some very basic things? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The story is told of a man that's getting off work, has a wheelbarrow, una carreta. He takes his wheelbarrow and he pushes it up to the guard gate. The guard gate says, Orale, ¿qué pasó? <laughs> what do you got there? Well, I have a wheelbarrow. Yeah, but what's inside the wheelbarrow? It's a box. I can see that's a box. What's inside the box? Open the box. Opens the box. Sawdust. What is that? Said, well, you know, at the end of the shift, they sweep up uh, all the sawdust, and I, I, I collected it. I put it in the box, and then I put the box in the wheelbarrow because I need some sawdust at home. And the guard's going, that's crazy. Okay, fine, go. Second day, pushes his wheelbarrow up to the guard gate. The guy goes, is it you again? What do you got in the box? Opens it up. Same thing? Sawdust? Yeah, I need more sawdust. Okay, take your wheelbarrow. Go. Third day. Fourth day. Fifth day. The guy pushes his wheelbarrow up to the guard gate. The guy goes, oh, it's you again. What do you got in the wheelbarrow? Got a box. I can see that's a box. What's inside the box? Open the box. It's sawdust. The guard, the guard steps back and he goes, oh yeah, I have this funny feeling that you're stealing something and I can't figure it out. I'll make a deal with you. Tell me, what are you stealing? And I will not report you. And the guy worker looks up at him and he says, I'm stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> that's a good joke. Come on. That, that's a good joke. The guard kept looking at the little box. He was what they call myopic. Estaba enfocado en lo pequeño. He, he needed to take a step back and see the big picture. We're doing the same thing. Some of us as Christians. We forget because we were living our life, my life, my problems. Mis niños, mi trabajo, mis problemas, my money, my health, it's me. And, and we never take a step back and look back, look at the big picture. Do you know what's happening to some of our brothers and sisters in Hawaii? Do you know that there's suffering there? Not just there, all over the world. You ever think about that? Churches in the Middle East. Some of us need to take a step back 
and go, Señor, life is more than just my world. Life is more than just what I'm experiencing, what I'm going through. And, and why is that important? Why is that important? Because you see, uh, Thursday night when, when I was here, I mentioned that, have you noticed that when, when, you got, when you gave your life to Jesus, he didn't automatically just take you up to heaven, but he left you here. He left you here for a reason. So that you would understand the salvation and forgiveness that Jesus offered and completed in your life. And that then you would become a mouthpiece in the lives of other people. That you would be a spokesman for heaven. That you would be the megaphone that represents who Jesus is. But see, when I find myself so focused on just my life and the things that I'm going through... I don't have time. I don't have the energy. Preacher, do you know what I have to do every day? I got a two-year-old. I got a four-year-old. I got a six-year-old. I got an eight-year-old. I got a ten-year-old. I got ten kids that I got to take care of. (laughs) And you want me to be preaching to other people. The title of our time together is this. Jesus, comma, our example came to preach. He's our example. You're the billboard, you know, like you drive on these streets right here. I don't know the names of these streets, but you're driving and you see billboards advertising certain products. Can I have you consider it your life? La vida suya. You're a billboard for heaven. Your life. Somebody at your job should be able to read your life and have a better understanding of what heaven is like. But because we are so tied up into the things of this world, (laughs) because we are so busy, we are so trying to keep our head above water that the the thought that we are going to go Somewhere and just specifically like this mission strip. Some of us were watching this incredible mission strip with the youth that, that went out. And some of you go, man, I wish I could do something like that. I'll never be able to do something like that. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. But that's the big picture. You're a minister of the gospel. You've been ordained, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you, I ordained you to go out and to bear fruit, fruit that lasts. So go with me to Mark chapter 1, only four verses that we're going to look at today. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. Jesus, very early in the morning, I'm reading from the New International Version. It's just a little bit easier to read this for me. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, and underline this phrase here, if you can, and his compadres. His companions, Simon and his companions, went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And look how Jesus responds to that. Jesus said, let's get out of here. Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages. Watch now. So I can preach there also. That is why I have come. If you like to write notes or you like to make notes in your Bible, whatever, in verse 35, I I wrote this. Evangelism flourishes when there's intimacy with Jesus. Did you notice what Jesus did? Very early in the morning, 
while it was still dark, still dark outside, he gets up, he leaves the house, and he goes to a solitary place to do what? Pray. That's, that's intimacy. That, that's spending time with the Father. That's not doing ministry. That's not busyness. Jesus had many, many accusations brought against him. There were many accusations, but there was one accusation that was never brought against him. He's so busy. He's, he's, he's burnt out. He's doing so much, he's burnt out. There was never anybody that says, he's just so overworked. He's so frazzled. He's, he's uh, stressed. He's overworked. He's always in a hurry. You never see Jesus, that he's going to go from one village to another, and you never see him jogging. I got to run. I got to hurry. I got to get to that next place. He, he's at peace. And it comes from him separating himself from the busyness of the day. He had a lot to do. A lot of people to reach. A lot of towns to, village, uh, to visit. A lot of villages to pay a visit to. But before he did anything, he, he said, Mira, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave here. The, the wife, the kids are asleep. Uh, the husband's asleep. It's still dark out. I'm going to purpose in my heart to just be with Jesus. I just want to be with Jesus. It's not so much I want to memorize a bunch of verses. I want to ask him for a bunch of things. Lord, you know, I need this, I need this, I need this. That's like your kids coming up to you. You as a mom, you as a dad. What, what happens when your son, your two-year-old, your three-year-old comes up to you as a, as a dad or as a mom? And, and they go, uh, uh, Dad, you're the, you're, you're the greatest dad on the, on the whole planet. You're so good. What, what are you thinking immediately? Oh, what do you want? What do you want? Oh, God, you're so good. Oh, God, you're so special. Now, there's a time for that. I know we're supposed to present our requests. I, I, I know that. But is there ever a time when you just sit? Ay, Dios mío, eres tan bueno conmigo. God, you're so good. Right now, I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry, Lord. Just me and you. Let's just spend time together. Let me worship. And you start singing. And you, you can't sing, but, but it sounds nice to the Lord. <laughs> he likes it. We have seven grandkids and our youngest granddaughters, they sing, they, they, they can't sing. But to me, it's the most beautiful sound I've ever heard. And you worship. Jesus was not impressed with busyness. Jesus was not impressed with hectic activity. It's Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and 31, where the Bible says that the apostles gathered around Jesus and they began to report to him all that they had done and all that they had taught. But because there was so many people coming and going that they didn't even have time to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. So that you can get some rest. Jesus, he's listening to them, the disciples. Oh, you're not going to believe it, Jesus. We went to this one town and we delivered a bunch of people from demonic possession. And we saw fire coming down from heaven. And we saw people getting healed. And, and Jesus, I can just imagine, he was, his arms crossed, just listen. Ay, Dios mío. You guys don't get it, do you? It's not all about busy. You guys are running around like a chicken with its head cut off. 
You know, I was in um, Dominican Republic many years ago, Jarabacoa. And I had, uh, I don't know what you call it, I experienced a chicken getting its head cut off. I've never seen that. And it really is true that the body takes off running. And I'm standing there, I'm watching this chicken, I'm going, check him out. That chicken is covering a lot of ground. That chicken is busy. That chicken is going places. But you know why that chicken was so busy and going into so many places? It had lost connection with the head. And there's a a time that you look at your connection with the head, which is Jesus. And when we have a tendency or, or for whatever reason, we lose connection with the head, activity increases. Because we've lost sight of the target. So we start jumping at a bunch of other things. Do you know that you can have a relationship with the Lord, but maybe not have intimacy with the Lord? I I have a brother, five years old, and I have a bunch of brothers. Most of them gone home to be with the Lord now. But my brother Jesse... Uh, And his wife led me and my wife to the Lord many, many, many years ago. He lives in Las Vegas. I live in Florida. So we don't have a lot of intimate conversations. We don't know about our kids. We don't know how the world is treating him. He, He loves the Lord. He's an elder at his church. But we have a relationship. But because of distance, we we don't have intimate fellowship. And so it is with some of us. We have a relationship. We're Christians. Somos cristianos. We're Christians. But when somebody says, hey, man, how are you and Jesus doing? What's the latest verse that the Lord has given to you? What's the latest verse that you have just put into the depths of your heart and you're just meditating on that verse and you go, I'm so busy. I got so much going on. You can have a relationship with God, but not have intimate fellowship with God. Intimacy moves you. When you are intimately in fellowship with the Lord, you're reminded of what he's done for you. You reflect back on the forgiveness that he has given to you. And you remember, oh, Lord... When you spend those, like Jesus, quiet times away from distractions and you're not trying to read your Bible and watch ESPN at the same time and you're not trying to do an email and then flip in the Bible to see, read over here, oh, wait, I got to write this email, wait over here, okay, now back to the Bible. No, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you made a specific effort. I'm getting away from that. It's me and you, Lord. It's me and you. That that intimacy moves you. It reminds you of the depth from which he's brought you. It reminds you of the healing that he's brought into your life. It reminds you that at at a time that you were broken and he's made you whole. And you're inspired to then, I gotta tell somebody. That intimacy, uh, evangelism flourishes when there's intimacy with the Lord. It happened in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 7, one of the more touching stories to me. Para mí, una historia muy importante. (coughs) The Bible says that Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to come over for dinner. So Jesus comes over to the house of Simon. And now, when, when in the, in the, uh, I've had the privilege of being in Israel, and they, they show you how in the First Testament, uh, first century, they would eat. They, they didn't have tables, you know, like three feet high, and high back chairs, and everybody sits in a chair. No, you, you, you recline on the floor. 
And the table is just a, maybe about a foot off the ground, and, and you're kind of like laying sideways, and your feet are sticking this way, and you're reclining like this, and you're dipping the tortillas into the salsa, and you're, you're eating like, like that way. So he goes to the house of Simon. But there's a, another person that goes to the house of Simon. The name is not given in the Gospel of Luke. But the Bible says that she had lived a sinful life in that town. Bible scholars think that she was a prostitute. I don't know. But this woman walks in and goes to where Jesus is. And she's brought a box of an alabaster jar, an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. And she comes to where Jesus is. And she bends down, she's behind him. Jesus is facing that way, kind of reclining. And she bends over And she begins to weep so much. She is crying so much that the Bible says that her tears, with her tears, she began to wash the feet of Jesus. She's a broken woman. Something has happened to her in her past where it led her to living a life that was sinful. But something happened where she was made aware Jesus. So she goes and she's wiping his feet, wetting his feet with her tears and taking her hair and drying his feet with her hair. And and she bends down and she starts to kiss his feet. And then she pours this very expensive, very expensive perfume on his feet. And every time I read that, every time I read that, my heart is so touched because I see so many of us in that picture. Because I, I see this woman crying. Why is she crying? What is it that has brought her to a place of brokenness? Is it the regret of her life? Is it the pain of her life? Is it the bad choices of her life that has caused her to be ostracized and be an outcast and and being used by men and taken advantage of? And now she comes to the place of just brokenness, of tiredness, more out, and she surrenders and gives herself to that place of just being broken before the Lord. Maybe that's part of the reason why she's crying. But the second reason that I think that she's crying is that she realizes Jesus is letting me touch him. He knows Everything. There's nothing that Jesus doesn't know. Jesus knows everything that she's done. Jesus knows every time that she might have laid with a man. Jesus knows every time that she got drunk, if that's the case. And yet he is letting her touch him. That's intimacy. That's intimacy, and there could be somebody here today that is at a place in their life where they go, no, you don't understand. (laughs) Hey, you know, I come to church, and uh, I came because somebody bribed me that they're going to take me to breakfast after church, but (laughs) I'm just waiting for this to be over. And you're not really into this whole thing about Jesus, and uh, maybe you got burnt at church as a child or whatever, taken advantage of, but can I tell you, Jesus desires to have an intimate relationship with you. Not a religious relationship, not a denominational relationship, but an intimate relationship where you and him connect with one another, 
and you and him build a relationship and you become a new creation in Christ. That's his desire. That's what he wants. Intimacy. Have you gotten away from it? My hope, my hope in this time together is that you would find yourself Say, man, I missed that. The book of Revelation, Jesus writes to the church and he says, you've you've forsaken your first love. The word forsaken means you've taken that intimate love that you had for me and, and you put it on the shelf. You didn't lose it. You didn't walk away from it. You, you don't deny it. You, you just said, right now, Jesus, I'm going to take my first passion, my, my, my first intimate uh, time with you, and, and I'm going to put it in the back seat because right now I got a lot of going on. Can I just, before you leave here today, can you hear me say, it's not going to work for you. Jesus said, seek first. God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Intimacy with him. It's the Apostle Paul that writes the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, where he says this, when I preach the gospel, I can't, I can't boast because I am compelled to preach. The word compelled means I'm driven I have this passionate, intimate drive to tell somebody what Jesus has done in my life. He says, woe to me if I don't preach. That's the fire. When you spend time with the Lord and you start making a mental note, man, Lord, I remember when you did this in my life. I remember, for some of us, not all of us, for some of us, I remember how you protected me in those drunken days of my life. For some of us, not all of us, but for some of us, I I remember doing those things that I were not pleasing to you, and you delivered me from that. I remember. And, and, And you start to reflect on some of those kind of things, and your, your love for him continues to flourish, to grow, and that intimacy comes back that when you get up to go to work that day, then you go, I got to tell somebody. I know what Jesus did for me. I got to let somebody know. It, it's, it, it's Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 and verse 20 when the religious leader says, no more, no mas. You cannot talk anymore in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John said this. You tell us, who should we obey, you or God? As for us, we can't help but speak about the things that we've seen and heard. Oh, that that would be our passionate, intimate desire. We can't help it. It's like a fire, Jeremiah says, like a fire burning in my bones, a fire that is shut up in my bones. I try to hold it in, but I can't. I can't hold it in. That you would have that kind of fire, especially at a time right now. We're living in some crazy times, folks. We're living in some crazy times. People are searching for answers. People are empty. People are lonely. People are afraid of what's happening in the world. And and you have the antidote. You have the solution. You have the, the answer to the searching person, to the empty person, to the lonely person, to the fearful person. You have the answer. Don't just keep it to yourself because I'm so busy. I am so wore out. I am burnt out. There's a time to step back and go, Lord, oh, let me be a mouthpiece, please. Lord. So evangelism will flourish when you develop intimacy with the Lord. Verse 36 
Check this out. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. I wrote this down. We are called to community, not aloneness. Did you notice that the Bible says that Peter and his companions, Peter had a posse. (laughs) Peter had people. Peter had friends. Peter hung out with, with those of like mind. We would say Peter was a part of a small group. He belonged to a small group. He wasn't doing this Christian thing all on his own. If we're going to follow the example of Jesus, then I ask you a question. Does anybody know you? Do you have a companion? You see, King David in the books of uh, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, so on and so forth, King David had a friend by the name of Jonathan. For, for a long time, they did life together. They served God together. A guy named Caleb had a buddy named Joshua. They went and explored the land, and they were the only one out of the 12 to bring back a good report. They supported each other. Paul, the apostle Paul, had Barnabas. He had Silas. Remember the three Hebrew boys in the De, uh, furnace? Do you remember that story in the book of Daniel? Remember the, the king said to Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad amigo, he said to them, oh, no, no, um, I'm sorry, a bed nigo, I'm sorry. He said, he said, that was funny. That was funny. He said, he said to them, I'm going to fire you. Literally. If you don't bow down to me, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. Don't miss what happened next. The Bible said that they, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said to the king, We will not. We don't even need to answer this to you. But we serve a God. We, we serve a God that is able to deliver us from that furnace. And even if he does not, we will not bow down to you. These these guys were companions. You can bet your bottom dollar that before the king met with them, those three had a conversation. Hey, you know, this king, he's he's whacked out, man. He's going to want to throw us in the fire. What are we going to do? He's going to want us to bow down. Maybe Shadrach, maybe Meshach. One of them said, well, what what if we just bow down like with one knee? Can we do that? No, no, no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. This other one speaks up. No, no. We have to stand up for the Lord. And they encouraged one another so that when the time came, they all three spoke with one voice. We. We. Who's your we? Do you have anybody that you run with? Spiritual. I did. I do still. I do still. Rocky. Valdez, Las Vegas, Nevada. My wife and I came to know Jesus in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we started going to the little Calvary Chapel at an auto parts store, Las Vegas Boulevard in Charleston. And I met a guy there, Rocky, who was single. My wife and I had been married for five years at that time. Rocky had been a Christian for five years, two years, three years, whatever. And we got to be friends because we both worked in construction. We were form setters for a concrete company, heavy equipment operators. And so we hung out. We ran together. Uh, he would take me out to the Las Vegas Strip to share the gospel. Rocky was a preaching machine. 
Much of who I am today is because of the foundation that my best friend Rocky laid in my life. And Rocky, if you're watching, I thank the Lord for you. I really, really do. It was the time that we were on a job. We were doing a, a, a slab for a Albertson supermarket. And Rocky was preaching to the superintendent, man, just every day, every day, every day. And we're sitting, we're, we're setting these forms for this curb. And the superintendent comes over and Rocky starts in on him. Hey, you know, uh, you really need to consider giving your life to Jesus. And, and the guy goes, listen, I've already told you, okay, I'm not into that. And Rocky, in all sincerity, says to him, you know, when I was in the world, I felt the same way. And the superintendent that has no idea about Christianese says to Rocky, when you were in the world, where are you now? When you were in the world, now I really don't want anything to do with you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man that falls down and doesn't have anybody to help him up. You need a brother. You were designed by the Lord to be in community. Oh, I'm just a private person. I, 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 I come in, I sit in the back. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want anybody saying hi to me. I hate this thing where they tell you to go say hi to somebody. <laughs> I go outside in the lobby and wait and just peep through the window. Is it over? Is it over? Is it over? Can I come in now? You need somebody. Look at verse 38 with me. Let us go somewhere else to the nearby village so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. I wrote this down. God's will is that all would be saved. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, came to seek and to save that which is lost. The word save means this. I came to deliver, to heal, and to make whole that which is lost. That's his will, folks. Jesus never said anything about it's my will that you become a member of a different religion. Jesus never said, it's my will that you follow my disciples. My will that you let me make you whole. Bring deliverance to your life. He wants to do that to you. Is he calling you? Is there somebody here today that you've been coming for a while? Yeah. And every time that Pastor Chad gives an opportunity for you to receive the Lord, you go, hmm. You know that it's been said that the Christian's favorite day is someday. <laughs> mañana. Mañana. Could it be that the Lord has called you here today? Could it be? Could it be that... Could it be that at the end of the service, when I give you an opportunity to come forward to give your life to Jesus, could it be that there's only one person, think this through for a second, there's only one person that comes forward. Let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you what that means. God put all of these people here together. God put all of these musicians together. God put this building together knowing that you would be here today. And so God loves you so much that he put all of this 
event together here today so that you would hear that he loves you just as you are. He did all of this for you. I'm too evil. I I don't need that. I'm I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Are you? Are you? How good are you? What if, if, play this game with me for a second. Play this game with me for a second. What if you could get your life down to one sin a day? How do you sin? What you say, what you do, what you think. You, you, one sin, you break God's commandment one time a day. That's pretty impressive. It's impossible, but it's impressive. <laughs> but like I said, it's a game. Because you said you're, you're a good person. And as long as I do more good things than bad things, okay. So you're a good person. You only commit one sin a day. At the end of a year, how many sins have you committed? Not a trick question, folks. What, 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 what is it? At the end of a year, how, 365 sins. You live to be 80 years old. And you've committed 365 sins a year. And you've lived to be 80 years old. Do you know how many sins that? I'll tell you exactly how many sins that is. You know how many that is? A bunch. And and listen, and listen, the Bible says in the book of James that if you break one of God's commands, you're guilty of breaking them all. The Apostle Paul says this, listen, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. My dear Christian friend, when you share the gospel with somebody and they come to know Jesus, you will have no greater blessing than to one day be sitting next to somebody that you told that person about Jesus. And now they're sitting next to you. And as they're leading in worship, they're worshiping the Lord. And God used you to lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's no greater blessing in life that many of us are missing out. Oh, it happened to me. It happened to me. I missed out on a miracle. Many, many years ago in Fort Lauderdale, my wife and I had this old station wagon. Had a broken muffler. And we're driving this thing, and, 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 of, and, and of all things, of all things, uh, we're, we're on, uh, on uh, McNabb and, and, uh, Road, and it runs out of gas. Runs out of gas. My wife is there. Babe. And of course, it, it's her fault. She didn't put gas in the car. It's not my fault. She's right here. I'm just kidding, babe. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So I, I say to her, okay, right up there is 18th Street. I'm going to turn on the left and over there, or, or no, we were on 62nd Street. We're going to go on 18th. Over on McNabb and 18th, there's a Shell gas station. I'm going to go get gas station. Wait, espérate, me dice. Wait, wait for what? Let's pray. Pray? Pray about what? I'm already a pastor. And I'm going, pray about what? She says, Maybe the Lord would want to do a miracle and start the engine. Oh, you're so cute. You're so cute. You're so cute. Let me, exp- let me dazzle you with my mechanical knowledge here. There's a thing called a gas tank. And there's a thing called a gas pump. And this gas pump has to send gas up to the engine, and then the injectors have to this, that, and she's looking at me like, I have no idea what you just said. But let's just pray. So I said, so I said being the man of great faith that I am, I said to her, you pray, I'm going to go get gas. 
I don't, I don't remember if I had a can or not. I started walking. I'm walking. I walk uh, about a quarter mile up to uh, 18th, make a left. I got to walk about half a mile up to where the station is. I'm walking, I'm walking. Our station wagon had a broken muffler. I'm walking, I'm walking, and I start hearing this weird noise. And I'm thinking, no. no. So, so, so I start praying, Lord, please don't let it be my station. <laughs> So, so, I'm walking, I'm walking, and I, I see the station wagon right here. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. And she's going by here. She goes, beep, beep. She honks at me, and she goes, Vroom. she takes off. She made me walk to the gas station. <laughs> what, what, why am I telling you this? What's the, moral, what's the moral of the story? You know what the moral of the story is? I missed out on the miracle. I can't say, man, we sat in the car and we prayed and I can't. My wife can. I missed out. Tell somebody about Jesus. Paul says, I, I do this for the gospel that I may share. And it's blessing. Jesus said this. We're almost done. We're almost done. <laughs> kind of. If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me. Listen to what he said. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Skin color, don't matter. Level of income, not important. Background check, won't be done. Mm -mm. The only qualification is, are you thirsty? And who isn't thirsty? Teenagers are thirsty for friends. Seniors, thirsty for hope. Broken-hearted people are thirsty for a second chance. The shame-filled individual is thirsty for acceptance. And Jesus said, if you are thirsty Come to me, and I will give you to drink. No disqualifications. Jesus said elsewhere, whoever, listen to what he says, whoever comes to me, I'll never drive them away. Amen. Nobody. I leave you with the story of the thief on the cross. I got to meet him. I'm hoping to meet him one day in heaven. Because I want to have a conversation with him. It's crazy. <laughs> I want to meet this thief on the cross. Remember, there was two thieves, Jesus in the middle. Two th this thief said to Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so I, 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 I want to meet him in heaven one day and say, hey, listen, tell me, how, how did it shake out for you? I mean, there was a time when you were on the cross that you and your other thief buddy were cursing at Jesus. You were cursing at him. You, you've never been baptized. You don't know anything about church membership. You never been to a Bible study, and yet, you made it. <laughs> How did you make it? 
And the thief on the cross looks and says, uh, I, I, I don't know. And so I, I, I picture an angel coming over and, and looking at him and, and saying to him the same thing. What are you doing here? And the guy that was the thief on the cross saying, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, well, let me get my supervisor angel. Let me see what he can do. And the supervisor angel comes over and he says, hey, listen, uh, Mr. Thief on the Cross, just a couple of questions. I, I got a couple of questions for you. First of all, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? And the thief on the cross looks at him and he says, never heard of it. Okay, one last question, one last question. What is your belief about the inerrancy of Scripture? No sé. No sé nada. And the supervisor, angel getting frustrated. On what basis are you here? And the thief on the cross says, the man that was on the middle cross, he said I could come. The only reason I'm here is because I believed him. I put my faith in him. I'm not here because I deserve it. I'm not here because I was good. I'm not here because I was perfect, but because I believed him. I put my faith in him. And so as we, as we close in prayer, the band's going to come up and we're going to close in the last song. It's going to be your last and we're, we're tragically out of time, but it, we're going to give you an opportunity right now to start preparing your heart to make that decision. Father, we pray for that one that might be here today that you did all of this for them. We pray, Lord, that you would touch that heart, soften that heart, encourage that heart to do the right thing. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.